is a deeper question altogether, which is what do you desire? What makes you itch? What sort of a situation would you like? Have you ever noticed that itching is contagious? Uh, when I've, before I went into ministry, I taught sixth grade for about three years, and there was an outbreak of scabies at the elementary school. Now, if you don't know what scabies is, I didn't either. Uh, it's ti- I think it's like tiny bugs, and they lay their feces under your skin, and that's what itches. I looked it up on the internet and then decided I didn't want to know anything else about that. Um, but some of the kids had it, and apparently it was highly contagious. And I was convinced by the end of the first day that I had it. You know, I I started to itch and then I couldn't take my mind off of it. And so then I was convinced that it was like up in my hair and all this kind of stuff. Itching is contagious. So that's why we're going to talk about it for a few weeks and a few minutes this morning and look at what we can do to stop it. Uh, This morning, the couple of illustrations that I'm going to share, they're personal stories, so uh, forgive me for that. I don't always like to tell all the stories about me or my family, but this morning on the birthday, they just seemed relevant, and so forgive me for that personal privilege, Uh, and I won't preach for 40 minutes, I promise that we will be out of here at a reasonable time. I want to show you a picture. This is Scott and my daughter. Her name is Lane. She is a sophomore now at Appalachian, and that is her beloved Mo. Uh, He has a mohawk. He is a rescue dog, and she started a petition a couple of years ago because Scott refused to let her have a dog. Uh, She wanted her own dog, not the family dog Scooter, and so she started the P.O.P. Foundation. I can't remember what it was, but she drew up a contract and started getting signatures on this thing so she could have a dog. Well, finally, I relented, and Scott just had to because we came home with a dog. And uh, he, you know, loved her enough that it was okay, and I knew it would be. And so um, Mo is like Lane's person. And I say that and mean it because I've never seen a human being love an animal quite like that. Like she carries him around, she kisses him on the top of its head, and I thought that was disgusting. And I mean, you know, she she talks to him like a baby, and she coddles this dog. I told her multiple times, if you would only treat me and your father as nice as you treat the dog, we would have such a happier family. But you know, alas, Lane is not a very affectionate person. She carries her emotions inside, so the dog gets all the emotions. Well, she left to go to school a year ago, so guess who gets to raise the dog? That'd be me. And I have grown to really care about this dog. I've grown to actually like dogs, and I didn't think I would. Now I have my own. And so I didn't know that you could care about something as much as that, you know, that's not like a family or a friend. Now, I know how much Lane loves this dog. So on the day that Scott took her back to school a a few weeks ago, and I shared with the folks that were here that Sunday that I refused to go because I could not stop weeping, and I did not want to weep in front of all her new roommates, um, I stayed back at home. 
Well, after they left, and, and we had gotten up that morning, and I had not gotten ready. I didn't put makeup on or do my hair or anything like that. Uh, I was just going to commiserate in my sorrow all day long. Uh, I was going to run some errands out and put some things in my car before I went to get ready to do that. And so when I opened the front door, out Mo went. Now, that put a lot of stopping into the whole weeping process. When you think you've lost your daughter's beloved dog, it makes you stop crying. Now, usually when Mo runs out, he'll run just around our cul-de-sac or behind the neighbor's house, but not this day. And so with no makeup and no hair, and I've already told you I have some vanity issues, you know, I am chasing this dog around our neighborhood for 35 minutes I'm chasing this dog. I don't hear him barking. I can't find him anywhere. Our neighborhood is a whole, it's like a, a mile radius all the way around it. And, you know, I don't like to make a fool of myself accidentally. I do it sometimes on purpose, but not accidentally. I was traipsing through people's yards. You know, it was, it was embarrassing, but I needed to find the dog. I could not bring myself to think about that conversation that would be like, Hey, how's it going? I've lost your dog. Because she would be devastated. This morning, there is a story that Jesus told. And he told it to two different groups of people. He told it to the religious leaders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were all the important religious people. And he also told it to the tax collectors And we read in the gospel of Luke, sinners. Sin, the word sin, hamartia, means to miss the mark. So don't conjure up in your mind, you know, sins. Don't don't worry about that. Just know that Jesus was talking to a group of people back then that everybody else considered sinners. People that the religious people didn't want to be around. They might corrupt them. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was so smart. And he would tell stories in their modern day vernacular so that they would understand what he was trying to say. So he told this story about a shepherd who had some sheep. He had a hundred sheep to be exact. I want you to listen to the words that Jesus used when he, when he told the story. It's in the Gospel of Luke. It's also in the Gospel of Matthew. But today we're focusing on Luke. Jesus would tell stories different times to different people. And they would mean different things. So in Matthew, this parable means something totally different than the one in Luke. But this morning we're looking at Luke. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he even eats with them. Scandal. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. He calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I'll tell you. And remember, he's telling the the religious people and the, the sinners. I tell you, in that very same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people 
who don't need to. In this story, there are two different ways that we can relate. We can either be the sheep or we can be the shepherd. And this morning, I want us to look at both. The sheep, there were 99 and and then this one and the one wandered off. He did this, or he or she did this thing called he nibbled his way into the wilderness. Sheep are not dumb animals, actually. Now, I don't know where this statistic came from and who researched sheep, but in my reading and studying, I have learned that sheep have a pretty, pretty high IQ for animals, for mammals. They rank up there with cows. And then right above the cows are pigs. And I can attest to the fact, because I used to own a pot-bellied pig, pigs are actually very smart animals. Our little pot-bellied pig, Polly, could open our cabinets with her snout. And so uh, we had to give Polly away because she was quite a destructive little animal. But she was smart. And so are sheep. They like to be together in community and then they are driven by their stomachs. So when they're there and they're out in and, and the pasture or the wilderness in this situation, they would nibble. Now I want to show you a picture of the wilderness and this is a picture of Judea in the Holy Land, and we're going to actually go to the Holy Land in 2018 as a church, so be thinking about that. But as you look at this picture, this is a real picture of the wilderness. It wasn't balmy with palm trees and all that kind of stuff. And if you see those little dots on on the mountainsides, those would be the little patches of food, of foliage that the sheep would eat. And so they would be out there with their shepherd. And usually shepherds had like 10 sheep. This must have either been a really wealthy shepherd or he inherited a lot of different groups of sheep because most shepherds did not have 100 sheep. And they'll be out there on the hillside and their sheep will stay together in community, but they're driven by their stomachs. So they're eating and they're nibbling and they nibble a little and then they try to find another little patch of food and they nibble a little more. And before they know it, they have broken out of their area and they're off alone, off in the wilderness. Now, can you imagine being the shepherd at the end of the day and and you count your sheep and you realize, oh my I've lost one. What would you do? If you had a hundred and and you lost one, what would you do? Probably what I would do. I'd be like, oh, okay. 99 out of a hundred is not bad. And Jesus knew that. He knew who he was talking to. Remember, the religious leaders are sitting there saying, he eats with sinners. Just like that church has church in a brewery, brewery in downtown Mooresville. Scandal. They were upset with him just because he ate, because that was a sacred thing with people that didn't live by the rules. Remember, there were over 600 of them in the Old Testament, like we joked about earlier. And so they were, you know, chastising him. And this is in the middle of his ministry, and and they're looking for things, and they didn't have to look very hard. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that they weren't all good with it. And so he tells this story. And he wants them to know that, yeah, you're you're like the sheep, but you folks are just like the shepherd. You've lost your connection with the divine because you're so worried about all the rules. Would you please let go of some of the rules and worry about the people? 
You're losing sight of who you're called to be because of all this, this structure and religiousness, if that's a word, and you forgot to love the people. This one sheep nibbled his way lost. And that's the sheep you need to go find. We're that sheep sometimes. We all nibble our way lost. The grass is always greener on the other side. Have you heard that? The grass is always greener on the other side. We want to be somewhere else. We want to do something else. We want to be with someone else. We're just not satisfied. And we nibble our way lost. Personal privilege story. Told you about my father a couple of years ago. Uh, He gave away tens of thousands of dollars to these con people. He's 91 years old now. He is of full sound mind. And I say sadly because he did this knowing what he was doing. He thought he won the sweepstakes. He gave away over a period of about six months over $65,000. In the middle of all this, he put my name on his accounts. And so finally, the bank called me. And they said, do you know what your dad's doing? And I'm like, no, it's his money. I don't pay attention to his checking account. That's just in case he ever needs help. And they're like, you need to pay attention. So Scott, who is the finance person in our house, and I started looking and oh, it made me sick. Fast forward, long story short, he stopped after I intervened, the sheriff intervened, and he stopped for about seven months, long enough to get me off his back. And then he started again. And I would plead with him, I would beg with him, stop, please, you don't know what you're doing. He started selling his property. He owned a plot of land, he sold it. This time he gave away over $70,000 of stuff, sold his truck. In the middle of all this, you know, we finally just came to an impasse and we couldn't speak anymore. He had just such anger at me for my vocalness that he was making a mistake. He finally just told me, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you anymore on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. And I let him go, and it tore my gut out. But that was his choice. And nothing I had been able to do for the past year, I had been trying to get him to to turn around and to listen and to see, and he just wouldn't. About a month ago, on a Friday, I was leaving the hospital. A, A friend and a key leader at West had just had a surgery, and there was some anxiety around the surgery, and I guess he caught me in a vulnerable moment. My phone rang as I was standing in the back with her before she went back to surgery and I saw it was my dad and I thought, oh, I don't wanna talk to him because he's just gonna ask me for money. But he kept calling. It was relentless, just like the love of the shepherd here. And I finally answered after the surgery was over. And sure enough, He wanted money. He told me he had loaned me money. I'm like, you've never loaned me money. I don't have any money to give you. In that moment, something happened. And he ended up telling me that uh, he was broke and actually in debt. He owed the IRS 
tens of thousands of dollars, I believe. And that he had, you know, sold some more things and he had been in a psych ward the week before because he was threat to self. I was like, well, daddy, I'm sorry. And we told you we'd help you before and you wouldn't let us. The offer still stands. Now, I couldn't believe I was saying that because he had said so many hurtful things to me. It's like one of those outer body experiences. You know, you like look at yourself and say, did you really say that? And he accepted the help. Now, we are not, you know, like the, the sitcom or the show, This Is Us. You know, we're not all sitting around the table having this nice family dinner now. But we have reconciled enough so that Scott and I are helping him dig his way out of his debt, hopefully, while he's alive. The thing that got my attention in all that was when he was confessing and telling all the stuff that he had done, he said this, I don't know how this got to be this bad. He nibbled his way lost. My father is just one of many, like us. And we nibble our way lost because things look better. Other people look better. Situations look better than we do. Scott and I have been married 23 and a half years. When we graduated from college, he loved this place called Quaker Lake Camp. It was a Quaker camp in Greensboro. The summer before we graduated, he spent the summer there. I don't like the outdoors unless I'm in a swimming pool or a boat. He loved it. I didn't see him all summer long except for two times. And that made me sad because I was passionately in love with him and wanted to be together with him all of our lives. So the next summer when he got the job at Quaker Lake, I decided I would go to, remember I don't like the outdoors. It's a camp. The job opening, I applied for it. It was the assistant cook. Again, I don't really cook that well. But I was determined I was going to follow him and be with him. They did not give me the job because why do you want this job? Well, I really want to follow my boyfriend. That was not a good answer. And so uh, I didn't get the job, but I decided I'd already taught one year of school, had a little income, and I decided I'll just give up my whole summer and I'll follow him and I will volunteer at this camp for free all summer long. The other day I was thinking about that situation in relationship to this passage of scripture. And I wondered, would I do that now? Oh, no. (laughs) If he told me we were going to move to the camp and he wanted me to go with him, I'd be like, you know, eight weeks is not that long. I love you. I'll send you some care packages. And I'm I'm being really serious. Like, that would be my answer. And then I thought, how sad. Why? Because, you know, the relationship is easy now. As a church, it's easier than it was seven years ago. Seven years ago, we didn't know if anybody'd show up. The first Sunday, lots of people from Williamson's Chapel came to wish us well. They tell you that the first Sunday and the second Sunday's attendance cuts in half. It did. And then a couple of years later, 
the conference said and Williamson's Chapel said, it's time for you to go be a church. We had no idea if we'd have enough money to even pay the salaries the first month. It's four years after that and here we are. It would be easy to get complacent. But we need to get a seven-year itch. And we need to be itching for people that don't know the transformational love of God just like we were seven years ago. And maybe we are. I don't know. I know sometimes I get complacent in my journey. Leadership has told me sometimes they get complacent in their journey. So we couldn't help but wonder maybe if we all do. That shepherd in the passage of scripture dropped everything for one sheep. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell those religious leaders. Don't get so called up in making the people that are already there happy so you forget to go look for the ones that are not yet there. At 12 o'clock, we are going to Ghostface Brewery and we have sent out thousands of invitations to the 28115 zip code. Because on Sunday night, we have this thing called Crafted Conversations. And we sit and we drink beer and we have food and we talk about faith and God. And we say there are no right, absolute answers that you have to come into this place with or leave with. In December, we're going to have a Buddhist come share with us about her faith. We're going to have a Jewish priest come share with us about his It's a place of safety. It's a place of questions. That's who we're called to be. We're called to be that shepherd that drops everything and goes to look for the lost sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and the sheep know me by name. May we come to the table and partake of the sacrament of the good shepherd. So happy birthday, West. Thank you for staying in there with us till 1123. You know what? We're called to itch. And the worship team is going to sing a final song. And as they do that, we invite you, because you can still hear them in the commons area, to go outside and put together some flood buckets and some college student care package kits. And then we invite you to head over to Ghostface, because we're going to be the shepherd looking for the sheep in the community in a real relevant and non-threatening way. Thank you for being a part of West. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your gifts of talent. Thank you for your financial sacrifices that you make so we can do this every week. And thank you for loving God so much that you're willing to offer a place where all people can find love. Go in peace.